Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready to be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. Jamie and Georgie Crawford are a couple who've been tested in many ways. From Jamie's MS diagnosis in 2012, to Georgie discovering she had breast cancer five years later, they've been through more than most couples experience in a lifetime. But despite everything they've had to deal with, their relationship is stronger than ever and their appreciation for life is truly inspiring. You know, Sheila, like you've sat in a room with a doctor before and you were told you had cancer. Um, And, you know, when I sat in chemo for eight hours on a Monday, and looked out the window at the at the sky and the sun and people living their lives. Mm. It was an absolute privilege to do it. And there was no part of me that was given out on the way up. I, I, I was soaking every second of it in. The scenery, the people, the beautiful houses. And I was like, whoa, two years ago, I was in my dressing gown mm. crying every day. And here I am with energy to do this. I don't run fast, I run in slow motion. But the fact that my legs were moving and carrying me up that mountain, um, I felt honored to be there and so incredibly blessed and lucky and I always say that I feel like there's a bright light shining on us now Mm. we went through the mill for years and years and we still have moments of great sadness and worry for our child I have had cancer Jamie has MS what does this mean for us but to have um, the energy to wake up every day and appreciate our life and be happy with the life we were given 
um, is, is special and we'd never take it for granted. At the end of May, Jamie made the decision to speak publicly about his MS diagnosis on Georgie's hugely popular podcast, The Good Glow. They live in Dublin with their three-year-old daughter Pia and their dog Piper and earlier this year they completed a 12-kilometre snow run in the Swiss Alps with their friends Audrey and Jack joining them to capture the experience for TV documentary Digging Deep. In this conversation, they give us an insight into their relationship, they talk about the healing power of nature, the importance of talking and their plans to expand their family. This was a really special podcast for me as I admire them both massively. Here it is. Guys, thank you so much for agreeing to have this chat. It's so nice, actually, because we haven't been into town since the start of the yeah. year. So it's like a little date day for us today. Oh, good. Are you taking the time Feels like out? Christmas. I love it. Because <laughs> I'm sure time for just yourselves is a rarity. It's, it's very rare. And especially since we got our dog, Piper. So we have a three-year-old, Pia, and we got Piper last October. And it's kind of like having two two kids. kids. Yeah. So one of us has Piper and one of us has Pia. So um, or else we're all out together as a family. So, yeah, it is nice to be together in town um, going for a little walk around and just enjoying the moment. Yeah, it's kind of surreal, though, isn't it? After the last few months. Yeah. You know, it doesn't it kind is of it feel kind of a bit ghostly out there. Yeah, kind of still. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. But guys, you've enjoyed lockdown. I've been following you, obviously, on Instagram. How has it been for you? We started to do things on our doorstep that we'd never done before. And I think everyone went through that. So we have this big field at the back of our house and um, it goes on for, for ages, doesn't it? And yeah, yeah. we started to walk the field after dinner during lockdown. And it just became this little ritual that we started to do. And of course, we asked ourselves, why do we never do this before? It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. I think a lot of us have, have felt that way. I have as well. We have as well. Where, you know, people are saying, you know, we're hearing the birds singing more. You're more aware of nature and everything. Yeah. It's because we've just finally started to tune in because we've been less frantic in our lives. Jumping out on our bikes and stuff like that I've as seen well. that. It's so lovely. Yeah. Been, yeah. Spend a lot of time together as a family. Pia strapped to the back going for hikes up the back of the hills and stuff. So, yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been really good. The thing about uh, Pia is she was in Montessori. She's getting ready to go into Eki in September and she she really likes structure. So the day that the crashes closed down, Jamie created a little Montessori room in our house and he went in with Pia for two. Oh, my God, I'm going to start crying. Mm. Uh, he went in with Pia for two hours every morning and I, I went out for a run with Piper and he taught her her ABCs and how to count to 10 and the days of the week and it it was such a beautiful um, time for you both, I think. And Jamie's Jamie's mum was a principal of a school for okay. 40 years. So it kind of runs in the family. Um, yeah, I, kinda, I didn't realise how much I'd actually enjoy it, but it was really rewarding because Pia's speech was coming on a little bit slow. And I started to sort of just hone in on a few little things and try and teach her. But the reward when she started to say, she could never say the word yellow. I got her to, I found this little trick to, teacher had to say yellow and she was just kept going around yellow it's yellow daddy it's yellow that reward that feeling you know yeah, in your yeah. heart when that happens is just like I helped her do that and you know to be able to do that is you know that's something I'll never forget and so like this time for us has been amazing yeah. like I know it's been challenging for a lot of people and it's been very very difficult um for us in some ways as well but I kind of 
for me, the, the, the positive has way outweighed mm. the, any sort of negatives or challenges or mental, you know, I guess, roadblocks that we've had during the time, you know. I completely connect with it because we've been very much on, on a similar page. Other than the fact that we haven't been doing the homeschooling to that degree. So I'm like now starting to feel guilty going. She's pumping it up a little bit I'm, too much here. I don't though. know. Wasn't well, that my good. Wasn't that good. <laughs> Sometimes they watched Barney for an hour and he, he was slacking off. I'd be like, don't tell mom. Don't tell mom. Don't watch Barney. Oh, brilliant. Come here. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to speak to both of you was the fact that I think as a couple, you epitomise what a strong you know, um, connected couple looks like because you've been through a lot of stuff together. And I think for people listening that are drawn to what you've been through, they'll find it very inspiring and very encouraging that actually life can sometimes hit you a wallop and things can happen. Uh, but it's about how you deal with it, how you stick together, how you work through it that matters. And Jamie, a few weeks ago, I think it was the end of May, you did that brilliant podcast with Georgie where you mm -hmm. spoke about your MS diagnosis, which again, really brave thing to do. I would imagine a very empowering thing to do. I got the feeling from listening to it that it was like, I felt like there was a weight being lifted off your shoulders. Yeah, huge, huge yeah. weight. Um, it was on my mind to do it for a while, but I kind of didn't have the kind of confidence and stuff to actually say it and sort of go and talk about it. Like I said in the podcast, I was kind of, I don't know why, but I was weirdly kind of ashamed and I didn't really want anyone to know that I was weak and all that because, you know, I'd, you know, I'd had a fairly high powered job. I was in a position of power for a long time and I kind of felt like people would see it as a weakness. So I kind of just got used to hiding it away. But then just to get it out there and sort of, I guess, bear your soul a little bit definitely definitely took a massive weight off the shoulders. Weirdly, there's something the three of us share is you got your cancer diagnosis at 32. You got your MS diagnosis at 32. I got my thyroid uh, cancer diagnosis at 32. And we've three of us have had different paths with it. And I know, personally speaking, my, my cancer uh, experience was relatively straightforward. There's no comparison between what you went through and what I went through, Georgie. But unlike you, I was quite like Jamie initially, not really being comfortable talking about it in public. And it wasn't until there was stuff been written in papers about me, basically, that Sheila Shoig has fallen off the face of the planet, that I, yeah, there was a piece in, in, in a paper that was quite mean-spirited, put it that way, um, and I, I knew I had to say something. I had to say, you know, actually, guys, I'm, I'm not well at the moment. So that's what led me to that. And I remember following you when you were sick and watching you on Instagram, documenting it day by day. And I thought I was just blown away by your um, strength of character to be able to do that when you're in it. So I get what Jamie is saying when you're going through it. it it's I I don't know if I would have been able to talk about it at the time. It was one thing when I was out the other side of it and kind of, well, I was over my uh, initial operations and I was able to kind of say, this is what's going on with me. But while I was going through the operations, I don't know if I would have been brave enough to do it. Did you ever question, will I do this or not? Was it just like, I'm going to do this? I definitely uh, questioned it at the start and Jamie actually gave me really good advice because I felt like people knew that I had breast cancer, like my friends and um, people that I worked with. And I was I was worried about what they what conversations they were having, maybe in work in the kitchen or and Jamie said, Georgie, let's just see where we are before you tell people. So um 
let's find out if this cancer has spread. So I waited until after my surgeries, until my cancer was gone, until Professor Arnie Hill confirmed that my cancer hadn't spread. Um, and I knew exactly where I stood before I said anything. Yeah. Um, but I think Jamie's diagnosis gave me a lot of strength and mm. had already taken my innocence away. Like Jamie was diagnosed when we were, first started dating when I was in my 20s. Like in many ways, I'm more traumatized by what happened to Jamie than myself um, because it was such a shock. And I think when I got sick, it wasn't, of course, I was shocked, but it didn't feel like it did the first time with Jamie getting sick. Um, I I was stronger. I was more mature. I I I learned all these lessons. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that you know, um, like I said, that Jamie's diagnosis gave me strength. But it, it, when when then I got sick, and people would say, "You're so strong," and you know, how do you have this perspective? I couldn't say. My husband has MS and we've had moments of great sadness over the last six years that I can't tell you about. Mm. Um, But obviously our families knew and uh, they knew, you know, we were there was I don't think my family had to worry at all when I got sick about Jamie because they just knew how much of an amazing guy he was and that he'd support me. And my mum could sleep at night knowing that I was with Jamie and if I'd fall, he'd pick me up. Um, So, yeah, it was it was so weird and I was so relieved when Jamie decided to tell his story because I felt like people would understand me better and understand us better as a couple. Mm. Um, So, yeah, here we are. I suppose, you know, being honest, the only reason that I was able to help and pick Georgie up is because I had the MS and I was I'd gone through that process of sort of understanding an illness, a diagnosis like I was very shaky and not like mentally well for months after it but I'd kind of gone through that and I dealt with it and I was accepting of it and whilst I didn't know what my course would be because everyone's course with MS is very different and I'm lucky that mine has been fairly mild and but I'd been able to I guess put mental structures in place for myself that if something else did happen this is how I deal with it and stuff and I kind of just I suppose maybe applied a little bit of that. Difficulties can come into people's lives, but not everybody can ride those waves and not everybody can come out the other side stronger than ever. But you guys have. Mm. And it's obvious. And, you know, what I what I the little glimpses I get of you as well. I know that, you know, these conversations are they're heavy jelly They're We're talking about serious topics, but I also know you're great crack. I get the feeling that you guys like having a laugh. You like having fun. Your friends are um, we see a lot of them on Instagram, Audrey and, and Jack. And Audrey is a really talented Irish artist who I would have met through her involvement and my involvement in wellness event, Bio. And whenever I see you guys together, it looks like, you know, you, you like have, letting the hair down and having a good laugh and enjoying life and, and, and being playful and fun. And we saw that when you guys went off to Switzerland together to take part in a, in a really special and looked like a really hard uh, challenge <laughs> to run the Swiss Alps. Was it 12 kilometres? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Talk to us about that. So Jamie came home one day, I think it was in November, and he said, I'm going to ask Luke and Shane to do this snow run with me. They're his best friends. Um, and he showed me a trailer of it on the TV. And I said, whoa, that looks amazing. And I said, why didn't he ask me? 
Um, and Jamie said, like, oh, sorry, sometimes I forget. being cold. That's yeah. why I didn't ask. He goes, I forget that, you, you know, because for years I didn't do any sort of exercise. Yeah, like you didn't do anything really until you got sick. And then yeah. you went, OK, I got to do something here. Um, until my oncologist sat me down and said, Georgie, you have to exercise. So I was like, what about me? And he goes, would you do it? And I said, yeah, I would. And he goes, OK, let's do it. So um, we decided to do and we started training. And Jamie said, you know what? I, I really feel like we should be filming this. And Jack and Audrey um, lived in L.A. for years and they've trained in filmmaking. So we decided <laughs> that uh, we should all go together. And we have so much fun yeah. with Jack and Audrey. You see that, yeah. Audrey is an absolute ticket. She yeah. is hilarious. So... Um, we set off with them and we went to Switzerland and we just had so much fun, didn't we? Yeah, I good. hope it came out through the film that um, it was it, that we had so much fun. But I just feel like it was so lovely just as an excuse to go away with Jack and Audrey. Yeah. But um, there were so many be like beautiful moments in that weekend of reaching the top of the mountain, crossing the finish line, holding hands. Um, our friends from Switzerland came up to meet us. It was just the power of human and connection and the fact that Jack and Audrey were there willing us on um, we made friends with some people doing the race and it was just a gorgeous weekend yeah. I mean the reason we did it or the reason I kind of suggested we film it was because I going back to when Georgie originally shared her story we were having a, con a conversation I think we were in Paris Court or something when we were talking about that where we were going for a walk and you know I felt like because she'd gone through everything, had the surgeries and, and everything was looking positive. I said to her then, you need to share this because this could help people. Big time. This could certainly raise awareness. So the idea for doing the snow run was really once Georgie was in and I was, we were training together and we were running up around Crone and Paris Court and all and this beautiful scenery. And then I sort of started just to think to myself, this could be put into you know, a channel to inspire other people and show them that you can go from being like Georgie never really exercised before really properly. Like you played basketball when you were in school, but like you hated it, right? The wrong way in the basketball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she never did that. And I was like, it's amazing to have been with her to see her change that much. Go from literally to like you never really wanted to do anything, even go for a hike. Um, you weren't really outdoorsy or anything like that. So to see that transition from, you know, to being unwell, not having exercise, da, 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 to being healthy and super into it, I was like, this is inspiring for me. So this has to be inspiring sure. for other people. So let's film this and create a channel that they can actually see it. So, you know, you can do what you can do on Instagram and all that. But but to do something like we did, you know, that, I felt like that was the right way of kind of communicating it. And just another way of getting to people and say, you know, you can change, you, you don't, you can be the, you can run 5k one year, but the, the next year you could easily run a marathon if yeah. you focus on it mm. and, uh, and, and you set those goals for yourself. So that's what we did. And you were worried about the 12k uphill. You'd never done, you'd never done 12k before. I think the most you'd run was seven. Um, and actually I'd never done a 12k before. Mm. So for us both, it was a first. And um, 12k up a mountain or mountains. 
Like yeah. it's 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 not a it's not a tra- like I'm I'm now I I uh, I ran years ago and then I completely fell by the wayside. So now I'm back to square one. I'm basically doing the couch to five k. If I run right. like three minutes in the moment, I feel like I'm an absolute rock star. Do you know what I mean? You are. You are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but um, like to to go from no exercise really to then twelve k up the Swiss apps it's, it's really quite something but you know Sheila like you've sat in a room with a doctor before and you were told you had cancer um, and you know when I sat in chemo for eight hours on a Monday and looked out the window at the at the sky and the sun and people living their lives mm. it was an absolute privilege to do it and there was no part of me that was given out on the way up. I, I I was soaking every second of it in. The scenery, the people, the beautiful houses. And I was like, whoa, two years ago, I was in my dressing gown mm. crying every day. And here I am with energy to do this. I don't run fast. I run in slow motion. But the fact that my legs were moving and carrying me up that mountain, um, I felt honoured to be there and so incredibly blessed and lucky. And I always say that I feel like there's a bright light shining on us now. Mm. We went through the mill for years and years and we still have moments of great sadness and worry for our child. I have had cancer. Jamie has MS. What does this mean for us? But to have... Um, the energy to wake up every day and appreciate our life and be happy with the life we were given um, is is special and we'd never take it for granted. Something that I, 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 you know, that is said to me sometimes are people who maybe haven't been through illness sometimes might sympathise, you know, and I'm sure you probably connect to this as well and wonder, are you OK? And And for me, I've never felt more content or healthier in the kind of the full holistic sense of the word than I am now versus what I was before I had cancer. Because I feel like I, I really know myself better. I have a better connection with myself physically in terms of what I think, and what I feel. And you're smiling. So I, I know you connect with this. Like you guys are obviously, to me, stronger, healthier, more connected than ever, even though you've been through it. So I suppose for people listening who maybe have are going through a difficult time, be it through, a, you know, a physical illness or a mental illness, you know, these things can happen. But actually the overcoming and the out the other side stuff, I mean, it's powerful what it what it brings into your life, the gifts that it brings that at the time you don't think they're going to be available to you. Mm. I, I remember thinking to Jamie and like what you said about us having the crack and yeah. having great fun. I remember that week when I was diagnosed saying to Jamie, Jamie, I'll never be the same again. I'll never just go out and have the crack uh, because I will think of this every second for the rest of my life. My life is is ruined. And Jamie was like, you know, give yourself time because he knew that he had been there too. And um, after about two years, maybe you'd you know come out of that kind of fog um and and I was like yeah but I'll never I'll never feel happy I'll never laugh the same way again I'll never be carefree and it's only when you give yourself the gift of time which Oprah speaks about all the time and I think it's so powerful to have patience to give yourself time that you do come out of it and I think that's why I started my podcast and I speak so openly about my cancer because I want people to know who are in the gutter 
and they can't see a way out that there is a way out but you have to give yourself time yeah well you know I've said it to you um how much you you inspire me and the first time you asked me on your podcast very kindly and and we spoke about it I (laughs) and I, I said it very genuinely like you you've inspired me and many many others and then when you guys come together and you're both doing your thing and you've, you've spoken about this, you've both spoken about this, speaking your truth, being who you really are. And it, there obviously has to come at a time and a place and it has to feel right. Like for you, a mm. few weeks ago, speaking publicly about yeah. having MS, that felt right. And you couldn't rush it. It's your own process and everybody has their own way. Not everybody's going to be comfortable going on Instagram talking about it. But if it means you open up to somebody else and you talk in a real way, I think it really does help people to know that not everybody's life is perfect and perfect doesn't exist. It's no. not real, you know, and I'd like to think for you guys, you've been it's like all of the challenges in life have been condensed in a few really intense years. I for hope you. so. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> OK, so. we've ticked that box. Yeah. For quite some time. But you know like, what okay, I used what's to... the next 10 years going to be like? <laughs> yeah. Because the last 10 has been... Uh, yeah. A mountain in itself and yeah. then up and down, up and down. But I used to say to Jamie when I was sick. Yeah. So when I was going through chemo, Jamie's exercise went out the window. He quit hockey, which gave him great joy in his life. Um, he d- wasn't going to the gym because it was all hands on deck at home. Sure. Um, and everyone in my family gave up everything. My mom didn't see her friends. She couldn't face anyone. She was so upset. Um, Jamie's mom was obviously around as well. So all of our lives stopped. But I remember saying to Jamie, Jamie, just because I have cancer doesn't mean that you won't get sick next year. This is not, you know, what I learned from the MS is like, maybe you don't just get one thing. It's not just one earthquake in your life. You can get two, you can get three. So I was like to Jamie, you need to look after yourself. That is a gift to me during this time. If you look after yourself, because I don't want you to get cancer next year because you've completely given up on yourself. Mm. And and I and I recognize that in in Jamie's MS diagnosis is that my self-care went out the window because our whole lives revolved around Jamie's health. So if there was a burnt say there was two pieces of toast and one was burnt I'd eat it because Jamie was the sick one or um, if there was everything went to him first I gave everything to him Um, if uh, you know one of us had to stay at home with Pia um, it was him that went out for the run because he was the sick one and then I got sick when Pia was seven months old and I was like, whoa, how did I expect to look after him for, you know, the last eight years and completely and utterly neglect myself and just say, you know what, I'll survive, I'll be fine. And I had to learn the hard way that I wasn't, I could never survive that. And um, I completely neglected myself. And I and that's why I wanted to say to Jamie when I got sick, please look after yourself, because it's so easy when someone um, in your family is sick to just completely and utterly just give everything to them. That's such an important Mm. message, isn't it? Mm. Like I'm getting goosebumps listening to you because it's so true. Um, that, you know, when we love someone, we care about them. All we want to do is help them. But you can't neglect yourself because 
it, you know, we all know it, but it's when you're faced with it, it's 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 not so easy to put it into practice, I suppose, to take that time out for yourself. Very important message. I get messages from people who drive across the country every weekend home to their sick parents. Yeah. And they say, you know, my dad is so sick. I'm trying to support my mom. I'm trying to do a full time job. I'm commuting every day or whatever they may be doing. And I'm like, this is a recipe for disaster. Mm. It's obviously you want to support whoever in your life is sick, but you have to keep filling up your own well. Absolutely. Mm. So uh, talking about your your MS diagnosis again. So in terms of where you're at now, yeah. y- you obviously you're and this is what I love about you physically. You're this pint sized powerhouse. And then Jamie is this gentle giant. I'm going to call you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go with that. And I'm you not l- gentle on the hockey pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but like you're you're a fit, strong man. Yeah, well, yes, I'm relatively fit. Come on um, now, I've seen your Instagram. Like you're super, up running mountains, fit. you're doing math. You've, yeah. cha- you've set challenges for yourself. Yeah, so I set a challenge for myself. Um, I suppose it was just, I have never actually been a runner, right? And everyone, no, um, everyone who knows me, certainly from my hockey days, would like definitely laugh and I remember actually my my at my wedding on our wedding day my dad's speech part of it he's like Jamie was born running and all you can hear is the lads from the hockey team pissing themselves in the corner of the room because I wasn't really a runner but I found running I suppose maybe two years ago or suppose when Georgie got sick and and you know I didn't want to go I did give up hockey and I didn't want to go hockey training because that's like three hours out of the night and I couldn't be away from Pia in case Pia woke up and would wake Georgie up and all, or Georgie wasn't feeling well or whatever. So I'd go out for a quick run around where we live um, and I enjoyed it and I kind of that's where I kind of discovered that I can, uh, you know, just zone out. It's almost like a kind of a therapy or it's yeah. kind of like my meditation to some extent. And then I discovered trail running, which is, you know, totally totally different experience and that's when I kind of fell in love with running so like I, I cannot run down the road I could not run five kilometers on a road I would just stop and be like oh I hate this I, my legs are sore oh my back is sore I don't want to do this but put me up on a on a hill surrounded by nature and trees and, and views and all that stuff and I it, you'd literally zone out and I just keep keep going so is trail running like kind of scrambling over rocks and in through forests and yeah, all that, that kind, of stuff? kind of stuff yeah because it's a great yeah. photo of you like looks like you're just up on a boulder you're like you're about to yeah. leap off <laughs> you're mid mid flight mid flight yeah 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 or fall off um <laughs> so yeah so I discovered I discovered that and um then I started to just do more longer distance stuff and then the the, the Arosa snow run thing came up and I absolutely loved that and I was like look I found that easier than I thought it would be so then I set a challenge to do a 30k a couple of weeks ago which I did across uh, the Wicklow Mountains that's phenomenal and then off the back of that I said to a friend of mine let's run the Wicklow Way in a day so it's a hundred and it's, well, it's actually a day and a half we're going to do it in so it's 130 kilometres what so I'm going to run oh my god that's amazing three marathons in a day and a half so like I'm not ready for it at all. I love it. But you I'm say that so it. casual. Yeah, you know, like what is it? Three marathons. Yeah, three and a half. Three marathons. You know. And so we'll simple. do. Yeah. So the, <laughs> but I just I have to have goals, and actually, you know, the reason we did the Arosa snow run is actually was inspired by Georgie's brother, who 
set himself a challenge to do 100 kilometers around Dublin in one day. Right. And when I went to meet him that day, I was like, oh, I've, I've nothing like this. I need yeah, to yeah, set yeah. myself something because I'd we'd done hell and back together and we'd done a few of these kind of fun runs and stuff like that. But there was nothing on the horizon for us. So um, when we did the snow run, I was like, OK, what's next? What, what's the next thing we can do? And then the, the lockdown happened. We couldn't really do anything. Um, and then once it opened up, that's when I did the 30K. And I found that, you know, quite it, not e- not easier than I thought it would be, but I definitely wasn't as sore or as I didn't find it as as hard. Um, I thought it was going to be absolutely impossible, but I found it quite easy. Um, so uh, I said, let's do the whole Wicklow way then. Let's just try and do it. And f- so I'm going to do that with a couple of friends of mine in a couple of weeks time. So when you found out that, you know, you had MS, I mm. suppose, and you said it in your podcast, it's not the diagnosis it was maybe many years no. ago. So I remember years ago, I actually uh, facilitated a panel discussion about MS yeah. and, you know, the new findings every day in terms of what could be done yeah. and, and the quality of life people now being diagnosed with MS yeah. could have versus... 10, 20, 30 yeah. years ago, it's, it's huge. There, there are thankfully very big leaps being made. Yeah, there's massive progress with it, which is great. And it, like I, I had a vision when, when you're, look, I mean, you guys both know when you're diagnosed with something, regardless of what anyone tells you, you just think the worst. And I had a, a, a sort of a physical vision of what I would be like with MS. So, you know, you know, because it is, you know, it affects everyone physically. So I, you know, had the wheelchair and God, you'd have to, you know, live, you know, have to fit, get the house done up so that it would be, you know, facilitate wheelchair and all this sort of stuff. That's the, the negative vision I had for myself when that, when it all happened. Um, and then I learned obviously more about it and I learned, you know, if I take certain steps and I do certain things and the medications coming on is all this, like it's a holistic kind of approach to managing it um, that I can still do everything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everything that I could do. And in fairness, my doctor said that to me. I, I was like, you know, when he checked me out of the hospital after day five, he was like, just go live your life. And I was like, oh, 
what? Mm. <laughs> like, I can live my life? Like, you know, he's like, yeah, look, just let's see what happens. Go live your life. And I didn't really kind of buy into that at all. I just obviously went to that negative space. And it's like, oh, look, I'm never going to do this again. I won't be able to do this again. I won't be able to go skiing again. Or yeah, I kept thinking about all these kind of, you know, fun outdoor things that I like to do. Um, but um, can, can you just, imagine how comforting it would have been to hear yourself speak. Do you know what I mean? Say, yeah, yeah, to hear this conversation or particularly the conversation that you guys had in your podcast. Imagine if you heard that at the time when you just got your diagnosis and you went, wait a second, that's me in X amount of years time. Yeah, and I I suppose, you know, going back to um, the the progress and stuff and it's it's hugely a po- massively positive space it's emerging really really quickly there's new drugs coming all the time and like i i take uh, medication every day for it and it just keeps it at bay and that's all that you need to do with ms is just manage it so like you know if there, there won't probably be a cure for ms in my lifetime but as long as you can manage it it doesn't really matter and mm. it, it's look it's not affecting me um majorly at the moment so i just have to keep it that way and keep doing what i'm doing and and um uh, staying healthy that day that you were diagnosed, at the day that I was driving out to the hospital, screaming in my car, like I should probably not have been driving. I was completely freaking out. Mm. Um, but I remember thinking, because obviously I knew I wanted to marry Jamie. I knew he was the one for me. Mm. And I remember thinking that day, are we all going to be crying on our wedding day? The way you feel that day feels like you'll feel that way every day for the rest of your life. And I was like, you know, when we finally get married, are we all going to be just crying all day long? It was really weird. And I was only 27, 28. I just remember being so scared of it because I didn't know anything about MS. All I knew is that um, one of the girls in my my class in school, her mum had it and she was quite bad. And I was like, is that that's it now? My our lives are over. But mm. thank God. And like you said, I used to the, the next the next day, actually, Jamie was still in hospital. I was lying on the couch in my mum's house um, where I still lived at the time. And my mum came into me. I remember I was just staring at the wall and she was like, are you OK? And I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I went into the bathroom and I'd never happened to me before in my life or ever since I I vomited from I think I was in such shock. Okay. Um and I I remember my heart kept skipping beats and I had to go to the GP and get medication to try and calm down. Like it was like end of the world stuff. And um, that's why when Jamie said that he wanted to come out and talk about it, he was definitely more prepared than I was. I was kind of like in a weird way, like that was just what we kept in a little box and we didn't really talk about it. And the fact that people didn't know meant that I didn't have to talk about it. So when we did the podcast, it felt like what you said, that you kind of felt like there was a big release. There was because, you know, Audrey didn't know. Like Audrey, who's like my sister, yes, didn't know. And I disappeared off the face of the planet in my late 20s. And all my friends are like, what's wrong with you? You've got with this new guy and you don't care about us anymore. And little did they know that I was counselling Jamie and he was crying every day and we were in absolute bits. But I couldn't tell anyone because Jamie didn't want to. And I totally respected that. So it was really... 
um, it's been really nice and I felt I felt um, a, a huge release inside of me since since we've come out to say it and I think it's really important for our health to be our true selves and yeah. and there was a part of me that thought oh god our people are going to be like oh she had cancer two years ago now her now her bloody husband is coming out and saying he's MS would these two talk about everything but that is our truth and that is our reality and um, I, I don't think anyone would think that yeah. I, I, I think the opposite I think it's it, what it, it what you have done is it's very empowering what you're about and mm. you're helping so many people. I mean, that in itself is a huge gift to, to give anyone because the most important thing I really feel in life is it's not about our success or the money in the bank or what we do. It's the impact we have on other people and how we can make this world a bit better. And you're making the world better for other people by being yourselves, by being truthful and honest. It's very powerful. And I, I know I can feel it from you. There's a lot of emotion there must be a lot of emotion. You've been through an awful lot together. Yeah, and I remember I was listening to your podcast one day. I was driving home. I never forget it. I was on the N11 and I stopped at the traffic lights outside RTE. And on your podcast, you said, I don't think my cancer is going to come back. That's just the way I live my life. I don't live in fear of cancer. And when you said that, I thought, oh, my God, I can be like that, too. I can, I, why can't I be like that? And I think that's the power of podcasting, the power of telling your story is that you trigger aha moments in other people. And I think about that at least once a week, the fact that you said that. And um, I hope that things that I can say can help the next person oh, coming up with breast do. cancer and Jamie can help people. But, you know, we're all on our own like journey and it's so hard sometimes, but there is beautiful moments along the way. Yeah, like that are. day when I was sitting on the N11 and I heard wow. that. Oh, Georgie, that means that means an awful lot um, because, you know, fear is a player in all our lives, I suppose. You know, it's a natural human response, particularly when you're faced with difficulty and the unknown. And we're in a period of major unknown. We have been for the past few months as well. So people are living in a, in a lot of fear states. Mm. And I understand it. It's not like I'm fearless. I'm certainly not. But I, I that is genuinely how I feel about cancer. And I, it's probably a coping mechanism I have. I don't allow it in. And if it starts to trickle in at all, I just stop it. And I go, no, not even allowing that to be a player in my life. Do you worry about it? Do you, is it something that you still have to work on? Because I get it. You, you, you know, it's understandable that you would be concerned about it. Yeah. And I don't. It's kind of hard for me to say, but sometimes I can't bear to touch my body. So um, because I found a lump by complete accident, like my hand fell against my chest. Yeah. Sometimes I just feel like I'm afraid to touch myself in case of what I find. And I'm still struggling with that. I still struggle to check my breasts. Like I'll always come to Jamie and say, I'm going to check my breasts and I make, OK, I'm going to do this. And I almost need a pep talk to do it. Yeah. And I have to take a deep breath and I'm so scared. But um, I definitely don't have as many bad days as I used to have. And I think that's because I'm very in tune with myself yes. and I know what I need to do to get through the bad days. And I went through intense counselling for almost a year and I know that nature heals me. Mm -hmm. So when I get up and I'm going, oh, this is not a good day. 
I'm straight, the runners are on and I'm out the door mm. and I always feel better when I come back. So I, I guess I, I know myself so much more than I ever did. Yeah. And I know you're into forest bathing now as well, which yeah, is Sheila, gorgeous. Love it. I've actually never done a session. Now, I love being in nature. You know, I do. Mm. Uh, but I've actually never done it. And it, 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 the healing forest, is it? It's five minutes from our house. So we're so blessed to oh, have lovely. it on our doorstep. Jamie's best friend, Luke, um, who's an amazing guy and is on this incredible journey and had this forest on his doorstep. Um really uh, felt like he wanted to help people and especially young people mm. I think was the intention yeah the intention originally was it would be like uh, teens and certainly teens from the inner city and stuff like that for people to come out because generally they don't come out of the city and, and experience pure kind of nature and, and the benefits of that so that was the original idea and then it sort of evolved considerably to the point that we actually so every Wednesday now we have a thing called the men's circle it's eight guys that meet every Wednesday and just talk about life so Luke was like with the pubs closed where do you go to chat with your mates there's nowhere to go why don't we just host it here and it's actually it's a brilliant idea everyone that's there every week talks about coming back next week um, and men don't talk about things and we, you know, obviously we have a huge problem with suicide and, and mental health issues, you know, amongst males in this country. And um, this space is just like an incredible place to be. Like the, it was absolutely lashing rain on Wednesday night and we were just, we were sitting in the barn. So there's a barn there, there's hay bales sitting around. We were all just sitting around talking about life. I was saying, oh, it's feeling a bit low this week because this happened and da 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 and to be able to, I guess, open up to other men who then can go, oh man, listen, that, that same thing happened to me. And you know what I did? And you're like, it becomes this weird ecosystem of men helping men. It's very much like what I imagine when the girls meet up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens. Um, so that's happening in the Healing Forest now. And they're, he's opening up a, um, a men's circle too. So that's us kind of not, I wouldn't say we're all mates. We're people who are acquaintances, know each other, but don't know each other very well. Some people don't know each other at all. Um, but he's opening that up to the public now to invite men to come and just experience nature and, you know, the benefits of it. But also it's almost like an open therapy session, if you can imagine that. Yeah. And do but you think that the location helps people be relaxed yeah absolutely yeah. I mean it's a it's a beautiful place there's a view right out over the city you're surrounded by you know gorgeous you know it's a natural woodland so there's everything growing there yeah Um, it's a really yeah it's a very therapeutic very therapeutic space to be in isn't yeah. it amazing because a lot of t a lot of the time uh, you know people can be quite you know put I suppose the male the male personality persona in a box as oh yeah men don't like to talk to the, don't like to do this that and the other but actually are, are we getting are men getting a bit better at that yeah I think we are I think it, it's slow. slow but you know if, if you if you actually imagine what so we're sitting around there's like a giant fire burning in the middle like it's very manly inverted yeah. commas <laughs> space yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're talking about our feelings and we're talking about oh this is what happened with me to, uh, this week and each week, one of the guys will in the group will kind of facilitate it and say, you know, tell me about that and what, what happened with this thing, you know, and there's a bit of there's a, there's a very kind of manly camaraderie yet we're talking about our feelings, which mm. men don't do. And I think that's hugely important. And you touched on it earlier about going to counselling and stuff. So like I didn't, I refused to go to counselling after the MS. 
diagnosis. I just didn't want to do it. Mm. I just, I don't need that, you know. And then I realized after probably a year, I actually do need this because I'm not in a good headspace with this. And I went and did it. And, um, you know, for, for it, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And there's no, I, I, I immediately went in. I felt much better. Yeah. Um, and that was probably the start of my healing process with the MS actually going to counseling. So I guess what we're trying to do in the men's circle thing is, is almost like a kind of a group counseling session, you know, and get men talking about things. Like everyone's been through something like that. And that's what I suppose when coming out talking about MS the amount of people that reach out to me everyone has something yeah they do everyone has something that and it's a problem shared it literally is a problem halved yeah so how different do you feel when you leave versus when you walk in the healing part well you always yeah. everyone walks in kind of a bit gingerly and be like hey, how's it going yeah, you know yeah, it's all yeah. a bit like standoffish and, and stiff and then suddenly you start talking about things and there's men crying in it and there's you know just tell them about, you know, talking about life and stuff that's happened to them. And it's hugely therapeutic. And everyone yeah. is like, oh, I couldn't wait to come back here this week just to get this out of my, you know, just to talk. I don't talk about any of this stuff. So people saying stuff that they've never told their best mates and it's problems. And then we're all kind of working to solve those things. And that's a very powerful thing, I think. And it's much needed, you know, for mm. all men. There's nothing to be ashamed of in, you know, saying you're not feeling good or you know, this happened to you in work and, you know, you don't know how to deal with it and that kind of stuff, you know. And it shows true strength, doesn't it? But it takes it takes us, to, you know, to actually make that first step and, and take that leap of faith into into the world of vulnerability to understand that. Because before you do it, it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to go there. But when you do go there, you go, wow, actually, this feels pretty good. Yeah. I think the hardest thing to do is pick up the phone and make the appointment or it's that once yeah. the appointment's made, you'll go. It's that initial. Picking it up. Yeah, big time. How different are you guys now, do you think? You know, because I know it was, was it eight years ago you were diagnosed with MS? You were at the beginning stages of your relationship. You've been through, we know, a lot since then. And you have your gorgeous little girl, Pia. Uh, you know, the, the Georgie before the MS diagnosis, the Jamie before the MS diagnosis, how would you compare that version of you versus the version of you today? So the the version of me before I got cancer was frantic energy. So I gave everything to my job. So I worked in spin. Uh, I'd go in, um, you know, I'd stay hours longer than I needed to be there. Um, I could never find anything. I was always late. I was frantic. I would look in the mirror and look wrecked and I'd just pile on makeup um, to mask what was really going on. And I had no glow. Um, and I remember I'd come home every day and collapse on the couch, so tired of giving everything to everyone else. And there was never anything left in the tank for me mm. um now i we both have amazing families um who were so supportive when we had pia but i wanted to do everything for her um i wouldn't even let jamie get up in the middle of the night because i was like this is my little girl and i want to do everything and i look at pictures of myself before i got sick and it's like two different people I'm unrecognizable to myself in so many ways, physically, mentally, um, 
everything about me has changed every it's like I got a brain transplant Sheila (laughs) I'm so different like I I I I honor myself every day I respect myself I value my life I'm so aware of everything I'm putting in my body I'm so aware of trying to be non-judgmental of other people I try not to um have negative energy um and of course I have negative thoughts and I judge people from time to time but I'm trying my best every day to be uh, a really good version of myself. Yeah, you can feel that, you know, like anyone who follows you knows that. Yeah. And yeah. like even when I'm feeling a bit down and things are chaotic at home and it's easier to stay at home with the with Pia and do her bath. And, and I say, no, I have to do this for me. I have yeah. to leave the house right now and I have to do something for myself. And um, I don't kind of run around after everyone as much as I used to. Mm. I'm a bit more selfish, maybe. I think looking on my side, looking back to, say, 2010, which is what two years before the diagnosis, I was full on flat to the mat, very career focused, just sort of wanted to bulldoze my way to the top and stay there. And what's next? What's next? What's next? Very, 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 very single focus on personal success and goals and work, 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 work. And I and I really enjoyed it and I put every uh, I got some some days I'd go to work for 15 hours mm. and I didn't notice I was there for 15 hours it was just because I really liked it and mm. I was determined to fix things and make things work um, and then looking back at like if I look at myself now I kind of feel not that I'm not career focused I'm a bit more just I just want to succeed at life as opposed to my job yeah um, and I'm very determined to do that and that's like you know I guess I'm working on myself a good bit there's even an example the other day <laughs> some guy drove I was on the M50 and like drove right up behind me and like years ago I'd have been like you know piss off yeah, of course uh, but I just pulled in let him pass da, 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 and like I was like oh that, that that was good that's the ego not being there and just letting it go and just like okay you do your thing I'm happy here doing my thing so um you know probably a weird example but I'm a bit more it's not a weird uh, example I, totally get it because then you're you know because automatically when something like that happens you would go into re- reactive yeah, natural yeah, yeah. reactive mode yeah so if your reactive mode has been reset yeah. to not yeah you know blow gasket and yeah. you're like that's all right yeah that's yeah. brilliant yeah and so understanding stress that if you had it competed with that guy, your body goes into fight or yeah. flight mode. Yeah. You don't need that in your life. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like I don't. Yeah, I, I definitely was sweating the small stuff, the medium stuff and the large stuff before. Now I don't really sweat the small stuff or the medium stuff or whatever. And my my, you know, I enjoy, I never really like you said there about noticing the birds and, you know, that sort of stuff. I'm far more in tune with a lot of stuff that's going on around me that I never would have noticed before because I was always you know on the phone reading emails sending emails you know trying to be the puppet master for everything and now I just kind of surrender to it and kind of go look that's whatever it doesn't matter nothing actually matters the money or the 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 job title or any of that stuff as long as you know Georgie's healthy P is happy Mm. there's a you know, food on the table and, you know, we have a, we have a beautiful house and nothing actually really matters apart from that mm-hmm. to me anymore and whereby it did before. 
And it is one of the gifts, I suppose, of being faced with a challenge that you don't then see things in the same way, you know, and I know you've both spoken about your appreciation for life, your awareness of what you have and drinking it up and being, you know, in the moment. But also, yeah, when when stuff happens, you go, you know what, I've been through cancer, I've been through, you know, you've Mm. been through stuff and like, is this really a big deal in the grand scheme Mm. of things? No, I'm going to be okay. And it's great. It's, It's one of those beautifully unexpected gifts of 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 difficult times um so for me it took a long time to get to that space yeah okay you were much quicker with that but for me that was like difficult so what i'd say if anyone is listening to this going oh when's that gonna happen for me just be patient with yourself and give yourself time as it does come and that's a really brilliant point because i suppose we all have our own process with it yeah. yeah. Um, talk to me about Pia because she is the light of your lives and she's absolutely gorgeous. She's three. Um, uh, how how has she been loving the last few months with her mom and dad being around a lot? She absolutely loved it. But Pia is very close to um, my parents, my uh, mom and my stepdad and Jamie's mom. So it was really tough for her in the lockdown not to see them. Like this morning, oh God, I don't even know if I should say this, but we, I, I jumped into Pia's bed at half seven and she said, Mommy, when I'm four, I want a phone. And I said, oh no. <laughs> and I said, well, well Pia, why do you want a phone? She goes, so I can ring my nini. Aww. And Nini is my mum there. And she, Pia won't even let me say that my mum is my mum. She's like, she's not your mummy because Pia wants Nini all to herself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been precious. And I feel it's probably a weird thing to say, but I feel like I've gotten to know my child even more, even though if you had said to me in February, you'd, you feel like, you know, them inside out. But just spending those days on end with her um, was so precious and she was going back to crash on Thursday and I just felt like very emotional about it just letting her go and spread her wings again um but those 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 days to me especially after um being through cancer will mean more to me than than she will ever know that time with her um is so precious and I hope she remembers a little bit of it um but for me what you know when you're pulled into a room and told you had cancer you know what do you think about you think about your family and that time with her um was was like priceless so something that you spoke about very uh, honestly and openly again in the podcast you did together the first one you did was your decision to do a round of IVF before your chemo kicked in. And I hope you don't mind me asking or going there with this, Um, because I know you love being um, you love being mom and dad. And I suppose the dream is to add to the family in time. So uh, are you getting anywhere closer to that at this stage of your lives? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we made a decision during lockdown that I probably will never be pregnant again. Um, I don't think that is the road that we are going to go down. I think um, we're going to put all of our energy into surrogacy and learning about it. Oh, my God, I'm getting emotional. Mm. Uh, we have 15 embryos. Uh, the beacon, we, we did it in the beacon and the guys, <laughs> the doctors were so floored uh, they got 27 eggs and That's they great. they were ringing my god we can't believe this never happens and it was a great bit of good news in the middle of 
shitstorm. Um, but yeah, so we have the 15 embryos and I and I really feel like we've spoken about it for so long. And I was like, do you know what? I'm fit and healthy. I can let's go. Let's be let's be, get pregnant again. And um, my doctors told me that I could probably try for a baby in October 2020. Um, but there's something deep in my heart that is telling me that I shouldn't do it. Um, and, and I that, absolutely... That's you're very in tune with your gut feeling now. So yeah. that maybe there's, a, there's something in that. Yeah. And my mum is really supportive of that as well. And my mum's like, look, I'd never steer you. But if now that you've said it, the thoughts of you being pregnant again terrifies me. And and my doctors are so reassuring. They're like, you would have a perfect pregnancy. You'd be fine. But that. That's just how I feel. Um, and it's sad because I loved being pregnant. But um, hopefully there is another way for us to have to have a baby. And please, God, um, we're going to start looking into it now over the next couple of months. And please, God, um, we'll have we'll have another one or two. Maybe we might have twins. Hey. <laughs> we'll, we'll need to get uh, a nanny, I think. <laughs> you went George went to a card reader years ago who told her you'd have twins or your mum my mum yeah so I mean the possibility of that is more prevalent now because the chances of you know with IVF of, of having twins is higher right yeah I, so I maybe think so. maybe that's maybe that will happen and also I'm thinking of twins. that gorgeous you'd love twins look at that he's putting it out to the universe <laughs> as well I remember listening to your podcast where you spoke to that amazing woman who had her fabulous story of surrogacy what was her name again Nadia and uh, and it was just it was so inspiring to hear her journey I mean I was just I, I felt like I was I was at the edge of my seat with every moment of that listening. Um, but then you see how fabulous it can, it can turn out. So, I mean, surrogacy is an amazing option. Yeah. And I think Rosanna Davison, yeah. um, for her to be so honest about that and um, to speak about 14 miscarriages. I mean, I, it just goes to show that we don't know what's going on in people's lives. No. Um, and for her to to speak about that um, gave me a lot of hope. And I thought, oh, well, well, maybe that's an option for us. So I think by her sharing her story really inspired us. Mm. And um, Nadia, too, my God, what she's been through and to only have one embryo left and for that embryo to have turned in to two little babies. Yeah is absolutely beautiful. So um, please, God, we'll keep everything crossed that we can go down this path. And I hope that um, it will it will lead to us growing our family. Please, God. It's very exciting times for you guys. And, and what you said there is a really interesting point. And I think we just found out yesterday um, about what was happening in the life of Dr. Tony Holland, chief medical officer, when he said he was stepping down from his position because his wife is really sick with cancer. And I think it just stopped everybody in their tracks and went, wow, there he is. He's been he's been steering the ship for all of us and guiding us through it the most difficult time in all our lives collectively. And there he is, his poor family and his poor wife is so unwell and no one would have ever known. And it's so true. We need to we need to remember that no one ever knows what's going on in people's lives. And until you spoke, Jamie, none of mm. us had a clue. None of us had a clue. We just saw, you know, you as the, you know, supportive, successful husband of Georgie Crawford. And, you know, they, you know, it's gr all is great there. And the next thing you open up about, wow, OK, so he's actually had years of 
uh, of coming to terms with, with, with a really difficult thing that happened in his life as well. And I think as well, when people are like talking about bloggers and influencers and saying things about them, like these people are reading these comments. It's it's so easy to find negative things about yourself online and the, the, you can read them so easily. And I just think, oh my God, have we ne- learned nothing from Caroline Flack? Um, that we need to be kind and and mind each other. And I think what Tony did was the ultimate sacrifice for his country. And I I really feel like he got so much amazing support when he said that last night. And um, I think we all just need to just try to be as kind as we can every single day. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Guys, thank you so much for your time. This has been a really gorgeous conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I know people listening to it will as well. So I'm excited for you. I see you guys on the late late. I see you doing your own events. <laughs> not me, I see not you me. running workshops. <laughs> I'm like, there's going to be a Georgie and Jamie event and I'm going to be first up to buy a ticket. I'm just putting it out there. Thanks, Julia. You have always been, you were the, when I first met you uh, back, like when I was in the middle of chemo or just finished chemo and you always championed me. And when I was sick, I didn't have, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence. You know, I think people will say to me now, even your voice has changed from when you were sick. Um, but you always gave me so much confidence and belief in myself and um thank you so much because you didn't have to do that for me but I'll never ever forget it oh well thank you that means that means a lot I know that's that's really heartfelt um yeah just on what you're saying just on that very quickly I suppose what I felt from you when I when I heard you speak first was there was a real kind of uh fragility and a a real vulnerability in your voice and it was almost cracking because of the weight of what you were you were because you were still in the middle of it you were still going through it and you were talking and now I feel like "Mm, she's here your voice is sounding stronger and calmer and more grounded every time I hear you and I just see you getting stronger and more settled in yourself as you go look at you have a you have a top rated podcast people are connected to what you're doing because you're facilitating very powerful conversations with people that are helping people. But in that, I think you're landing into yourself more and more all the time. And I think it's about, for me, it's about that. It's about reconnecting to your true self all the time. Mm. I think that's the whole journey of life. You know, I think as kids, we have a sussed. I think the peas and the cohels of this world, we just, we, they're the ones that have a sussed. We just have to tune in to kids because they are very instinctual. And I think we get a little bit lost along the way. Life gets a bit hard and a bit, and we get influenced by you know, the environment in which we live. But actually all we need to do is cut that stuff away uh, to actually reconnect. And I suppose you guys are certainly very connected to each other, but also very connected to yourselves, which is a very empowering thing. So thank you for your time. Thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. I really am so thankful to Georgie and Jamie for making time to have this conversation. It was an absolute honour to be in their company. And if you haven't seen it already, you can find their documentary Digging Deep on the RTE Player. If you enjoyed this episode, please do pass it on to your pals. And if you can take a minute to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on the other platforms, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 